right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the official Copper and Blue podcast. I'm your host, Preston Hodgkinson, and joining me as my lone co-host this week is Rob Soria. Unfortunately, Shona could not make it to this week's episode, but she is always with us here in spirit. And I, I think she wanted us to say one thing on behalf of her, uh, and it was... Let me just open the chat we have with her. Do, 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 do. Yeah, okay. She said, someone please mention for me that hitting generally means you don't have the puck and the puck is needed to score. So uh, she's railing against that old-time narrative that hitting is uh, king here in the playoffs. And uh, you know what? I, I could agree with that a little bit, but it's, it's fun. So what do you think about that, Rob? Do you think hitting – how important do you think hitting is in the playoffs? Um, it, it's a necessary piece of the equation in any hockey game. Oh, yeah. Playoffs, it's more so. But this marketplace, and to be fair, most hockey-crazed fans who are familiar with the game for a long time or played it for a long time or still do play it, um, that piece has always been a major, a major thing for them, right? And it still yeah. is. So I agree with Shona. It's sometimes uh, over the top, especially in Edmonton, um, where the focus becomes hit, hit, hit. Um, because, yeah, it's it's loud and it gets everyone excited, be it in a building or on their couch or in a bar. But, uh, yeah, there are more important things. I think that that uh, little black thing is uh, is a tad more important. Yeah, for, for sure. And, hey, you know, I think it does have its merits. It wears down the opponent. And in the playoffs, that's, that's a major part of the game is wearing down your opponent and having the puck more. And sometimes hitting can do that. But I agree, yeah, here in Edmonton, that's a pretty overblown uh, statistic, I'll say. Um, and too many decisions have been based on it, I think, in the recent past year on uh, having uh, guys like Zach Cassian. And uh, I remember back in the early two th- two, or 2010s, there was a summer of Tambellini when he brought in was Darcy Hordachuk, Ben Yeager, all in one go there. So we've seen it uh, not too uh, long ago with the Oilers putting a little too much emphasis on hitting. But enough of this preamble here. We're here to talk about the playoffs. The Edmonton Oilers are in a dogged series here with the LA Kings. Um, I picked them to win it in five, the Oilers. Uh, that hasn't happened. I think Shona said Oilers in six. That didn't happen. I think yours, your prediction of the Oilers in seven is the only one that can possibly happen for the Oilers at this point. Uh, what did you see at the beginning of the series that made you go with the Oilers in seven here? Because I, I don't know if a lot of people had this series going that long. Yeah, for me, um, it's kind of what we've seen. Uh, I expected the Oilers to spit the bit in game one, and they did. Um, I expected their goaltending to kind of crumble. Um, and that really hasn't happened. Um, that said, Smith, again, made two big blunders in one, which played a big part in them losing. Um, and then in game five, he let in minimum two poor goals, probably three. Um, but they didn't play that well that game. So it's hard to sit here and just uh, put it on him. Uh, but the other thing was I expected Kopitar and Dano to kind of try and neutralize the Oilers' two big guns. Uh, Kopitar hasn't had as good a series and Dano's for those who aren't familiar with Dano, the dude's a beast. Oh yeah, for sure. He's had a great series. Um, yeah. Plus we knew dry was hurt. And I think that's only, he's gotten worse as the seasons or sorry, as the series progressed. Uh, we knew nurse was hurt. 
Um, so yeah, I just, I looked at it from, and the King's experience, I know people sometimes make too much about over experience, but to be fair, it matters. And for a team like LA who everyone goes on about how young they are. Yeah, they're young, but those veterans yeah. help also keep hungry. It. Yeah. Yeah. They, and and they help team. keep them in line. And, and I expected quick to play well. And I know quicks underlying numbers stink, but honestly, when you get bombarded in two games, the way the Kings did um, quicks numbers are going to stink. That's just how it is. Um, he was really good in the two games they won. Um, he played pretty well last game. I thought uh, Smith was probably a saver two better than him, especially late on that power play. Um, and in game five, where a lot of people said quick wasn't very good. Eh, quick didn't let in any bad goals. You know, yeah, the Oilers took him and the Kings apart in the third, but Smith was the one who let in two poor goals at minimum. So, yeah, Quick's been good. Their vets have been good. Um, yeah, so it's I, I'm not again. I've said it repeatedly on Twitter since the series started. None of this surprises me. So, yeah, well, the Edmonton Oilers are notorious of late of playing down to their opponents and the Oilers are the better team in the series by I, I believe a significant margin they have the talent they, they have the ability when these two teams are playing at their peak the Oilers will win the game every single time but the Oilers tend to play down to their opponent rather than to their uh their actual potential and I think we've yeah, seen but- that multiple times throughout the season you know when we play Colorado we give Colorado a hell of a time during the regular season but sometimes we drop the ball against the Ottawa's the Buffaloes and stuff like that. And I think we're seeing a little bit more of that this year. I don't disagree, but I think sometimes, and it's not just Oilers fan base, but I think everyone's fan base is like this. Whenever your team loses, it it seems to always be because like you said, they dropped the ball or this, this or that. At some point you have to give the other team credit. Yeah, that too. LA played a very good and a very smart road game in game one. Um, they got a couple of bounces, but they played their asses off and, you know, game four, they played their asses off and they oh, deserved yeah. to win. Everyone is like, Oh, the Oilers didn't put them away. LA played like a desperate team and they deserve to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and then five, well, whatever five was just a di- five was an odd game. We'll mm-hmm. say that. Um, but LA I think has earned what's come their way. And I think people need to give them credit for that. And again, the Oilers are flawed. So because the Oilers have flaws, um, that's why I didn't see this being a, a walk. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think LA has been the hungrier team all series long, and that has led to them dominating large stretches of play. And if you look at the the wins in this series, the Oilers have two wins and absolute blowouts, but yeah. most of the close games are going to LA. LA is that team that can is elevating when the, the, other than game six when the Oilers were able to pull out the victory LA has been winning those types of games so the Oilers have to get better at uh, you know not expecting a blowout and play in these tight playoff like games and do exactly what they did in game six and keep pushing right to the end to get that go-ahead goal and yeah. uh, hopefully the victory tomorrow but uh, I, I want to circle back to goaltending here because you say it yourself Mike Smith has had some of his you know, cliche moments that Mike Smith has where he gives away the puck and whatnot and lets in a few weak goals. But for the most part, I don't think that has been as big of a storyline as a lot of people thought it would have been going into the playoffs here. Even with Jonathan Quick, he's been uh, he's been pretty good throughout the series, but he hasn't been lights out. 
Um, no. You know, the underlying numbers say that. And I know the blowups kind of skew those, but he hasn't been goalieing the Oilers as much as Connor Hellebuck did last year, right? The Oilers have found ways to beat him. And um, I think a, a bigger storyline is uh, some of the Oilers' defensive uh, breakdowns in their own end. I think Duncan Keith has been a guy a lot of people, including myself, have singled out as a guy who's for, for how much experience he brings to the table and those Stanley Cup wins, it's clear he's not quite at that level anymore. And I could have told you this all season long, but I think it's getting really exposed, especially in game five where he got burned on the overtime winner by Adrian Kempe, that uh, he has to come into game seven and have quite a good game. Yeah, they're D, again, and this goes back to the issues they've had all season. Um, while they have some depth issues up front, their biggest issue has been the back end. So be yeah. it along the blue line or in goal. And yeah, Kulak's been a good addition, but yeah, game five, like we said, Keith wasn't very good. Kulak had a terrible giveaway in game five as well. Um, Nurse, again, he's hurt. And I think I said it in game one and a couple other times. And I think it was in game five as well, where he got beat a couple of times, like nurse for all his flaws that he has and in his, you know, want to always do more, which causes him more grief than anything. Usually um, he's a talented guy. He's an obscenely good skater and he rarely gets beat wide and LA's beaten him wide. I, at least five, six times a series, right? Yeah. So again, we know that's there. Um, Barry has his issues in his own end at time. Bouchard's hit and miss still because he's a kid. Um, to his credit, I think Cody Cece has been really good this series. Oh, yeah. He's been the uh, guy you don't really talk about, but he's, no. he's just, he's never the guy in the wrong. He, it's, he's had a really good series. I agree. Yeah. The, again, he's made a couple of mistakes, mm -hmm. but over the course of a, a seven game series or six to this point, you're going to make mistakes, right? Yeah. No one plays mistake free hockey. Um, but yeah, he's been solid. Um, I really like the pairing with him and Kulak yesterday. Um, but yeah. It, it, and to go back to Smith um, again, I fans are weird. Media are weird. Um, where they just will, it's, they just point to like save percentage and whatever. And yeah, normally um, that's a telling point, but again, if you're watching the series, LA throws the puck all to the net all the time. Yeah. And to, to act like that's not a thing, or in some cases with the mainstream media, they mention and some part of the, some pieces of the fan base, they mention it. But then, like, two breaths later, they, they start talking about, oh, well, he, he's made this many saves. And it's like, well, you can't have it both ways, <laughs> right? And, and that's not a shot at Smith. Like, he's played fine. Like, I, I mentioned earlier, he's had a few hiccups along the way. He's played really good, though. He's been solid. He's been fine. He hasn't been fantastic. He hasn't been great. I don't care what his save percentage is. Like, I really don't. <laughs> that It's 930 or it's 9 whatever. Yeah. Like half the shots in most of the games are coming from the boards. Those better not go in. Mm -hmm. um, yesterday, I thought he did not look good on the game time goal. Uh, he was down early, deep in his net and slow to get across the crease. And I felt he should have stopped that shot or at least made a better attempt to. Um, that said, they scored him another goal. And to his credit on that power play late, he made at least two saves in tight um, that were huge. 
And honestly, in a short series, that is all that matters. Like we can point to 950 or 910 or 880 because those who are suggesting Quick's been terrible this series. Well, if you think Jonathan Quick has been terrible this series, you haven't watched yeah, the game. Exactly. I think right? save percentage is, I, I'm a big fan of the of save percentage as a stat, but I think it loses its meaning when it's in such a small sample size. Yeah, of course. Like over the course of a season, I think it's a good indicator of where a goalie's at. Yeah. Over a seven course series or seven game series, uh, it's you could get skewed just because of those games, like the blowouts uh, that that were outliers in the in the in the series, and, and the fact that LA tends to put the puck on from every angle early and often, and um, most of those are pretty uh, high percentage saves, anyways, yeah, right? And, so. it, and it can work the other way as well, right? Mm. Like if you have a an overtime game, let's say that goes three periods, that's like yeah. a game, and a goalie makes like sixty saves. Well, over the course of the series his numbers might look really good, but he might stink in three of the other games um, from the standpoint where he lets in a couple of bad goals, but the save percentage, let's say he has three games where he's like nine, 10 and you have one game that's out of the, out of this world, your numbers at the end of it are going to look decent, but that doesn't mean you had a great series. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think uh, just let's just change gears here. We talked a lot yeah. about Smith and, and, and the goaltending here in the series. Let's talk a little bit about the Oilers' top guns here because they have delivered over the course of this series. Carr McDavid, six games, 12 points. That's two points per game for McDavid. He's been absolutely fantastic. He leads both teams in points. I think LA's top scorer is Kempe with six points in six games. So McDavid doubling up the top scorer on the LA Kings. Not to be outclassed, though, is Evander Kane leading the Oilers with seven goals in six games over this series. He hasn't missed a beat since uh, playing, since coming over from the regular season into the playoffs. And then Leon Drysell, we talked about how he's playing injured. He left the game six for a little bit, but then returned, obviously playing through something. That doesn't matter with his point production, though. He has eight points in the six, or yeah, eight points in the six games as well. Um, what do you make of the top guns just really bringing it here in this series? Um, yeah, well, you know, they're that good. And again, unfortunately, those, uh, those two games kind of skew things. Um, but the column I put out earlier today on copper and blue about the game five, uh, I think that's the best game McDavid's ever played as an oiler. Like, I don't even think it's debatable. Like I really don't. Game five or game six. There's, oh, sorry. Game six. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I think game six is the best game he's ever played. Like it's oh, not even for sure. Yeah. Like he's had many great games in the past. He's, uh, be it both uh, the limited playoff run in 2017. Yeah, but in terms had, of the meaning of this yeah. game compared to the regular season games he had, this is the best game he's ever played. Yeah, like it was absurd last game. Like from the moment he hit the ice, it was like just a carryover of what we saw at the end of game five in the third. And it was pretty much like, get the hell on my back and I'm going to drag you guys kicking and screaming if I got to do everything myself. And he essentially did. Like they played really well. But he was on an entirely different level. Uh, he was a hound all over the ice on any puck. Uh, the end of the game, he made two great takeaways in the defensive zone, right? One, uh, what, probably about 30 seconds before, maybe 45 seconds before Kane scored. And then one right before Kane uh, scored the empty netter. Um, yeah, uh, Dreisaitl, again, his line is being killed uh, at evens because, uh, yeah, Deneau's kind of picked them apart. That line hasn't been great, 
dry settles clearly hurt um, whether it's his knee, which I think is going to be an issue. And we all knew that from the moment he was hurt against um, Anaheim, I believe it was. Um, I think there's something wrong with his wrist too, from what I had heard. And yeah, I know he was, by the way, he sounded the other day earlier in the week, he sounded like crap. So he's probably sick as well. Yeah, he's um, kind of dealing with a little bit of everything. No. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, again, this goes back to where we're talking about the goaltenders. Like those underlying numbers are great and all over the course of a season and to a degree over the course of a series. But at the end of the day, they have to score. Like, yeah, so sure. his job is to go out and score goals or produce points, whether they're on the power play, whether they're even strength, whether they're shorthanded, I could care less. So many people who sit there and go, oh, they're all on the power play. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I yeah. was, that's a weird argument. I yeah. heard a lot of that from uh, specifically Toronto fans as well. And I'm just like, well, if that's so bad, why isn't Matthews doing that? Why isn't Martyrs doing that? Are, well, they, are you saying that they, they're bad on the power play? Yeah, it's, just, and, it's a weird argument. It, points are points at the end of the day. I don't care how you get them. Yeah. And, and we can talk five on five all we want. And yeah, over the course of an 82 game series, 82 game schedule, it makes a huge difference. Of course mm-hmm. it does. And to a degree over the course of a series, it will, but again, they're all one-offs, you know, yeah. like we can sit here and say, Oh, this game led to this game or that game led to this, but that's all in all honesty, that's all bullshit. Like it is. Every game is its own entity. We've seen it in this series. We see it in most series. Yeah, like a series like Colorado and uh, Preds. Yeah, that's different. Those teams are completely outclassed. Like oh, yeah. one's here, one's here, one's here. That's just how that is, right? But if <laughs> yeah. the teams are good, you know, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. So however you need to go out and find a way to win that game, you go and do it. And yeah, it's ugly at times. And the Oilers are really good at, you know, making things look ugly and making things difficult <laughs> at times for themselves because of how they use their entire lineup. But the big guys, and like you said, Kane scoring, like Kane, don't like Kane, you know, he's, uh, we he's all have the job done on the ice. And that's, yeah. uh, that's where I'm leaving the conversation. Yep. He's been fantastic it, on the ice. And as I mentioned to you guys in the last podcast I was on, I said it the day he got here, you know, why I didn't want him to get signed but i fully expected him to score 20 to 25 goals and that's exactly what he's done and he's continued yeah. in the playoffs because he's very good at that yeah um one thing i don't like that he's done he's taken some stupid penalties um yamamoto's taking some stupid penalties cassian's taking some stupid penalties <laughs> and mike smith i'm sensing a trend here <laughs> yeah and smith <laughs> took that stupid penalty early uh, uh, yesterday as well and a lot of this goes back to what shona had mentioned before we started this whole thing, um, that physicality thing, while it's very important, um, it can sometimes derail a team and the Oilers are not that team. So they got to be careful, even though yeah. the King's power play sucks. The King power, the King's power play sucks, but it seems to be catching fire in recent games here. They scored one in that, uh, a two blowout didn't matter that much, but they got one yeah. and they scored in game five on the power play that made it four to two at the time. The Oilers did come back, but they lost that in overtime. And then yesterday, uh, Sean Dursey's uh, first goal for the Kings was on the power play. So it's heating up a little bit going into a winner take all game seven. Don't give that don't give that power play a chance to heat up even more. They're yeah. obviously feeling something there. They have to come in disciplined. And most importantly, I think, which has been a trend over the, almost the entire series, the Oilers have to come to play when the puck drops at eight o'clock. 
Yeah. We cannot have another game where they're playing from behind. To their credit, they did that in game six. They got the early lead. They were able to get more shots on net onto quick. And they were the better team that first period. And they won the game. And I, I don't think they can afford another bad start. I have a question for you, though, Preston. Do you Go. honestly think they were that terrible in the first periods across the board? It, like, we'll eliminate last game. So the previous five games, do you think they were awful in the five periods? Like uh, I was in Rogers place for game five. I thought that was the worst first, yep. the worst period that they had I, played was that first period. It was okay. all the over first, the place. And the other four games? Game one was slow. I don't know if they were terrible. Yep. Okay, game, you know, the, the game three um, the first one in LA, yep. it was a blowout, the 8-2 one. Yep. But I don't think their first period was as great as the 2 nothing period, the 2 nothing lead looked after it. Um, yep. See, I, I, I want to say there's probably two two of the six games, yes. they looked very terrible. I agree. And the others were just a little slower than, than you'd the, want them. And this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Unfortunately, people are focusing on the shots on net more than they need to be focusing on what, how they're playing. And again, I agree with you. They haven't been great in the first period, but they haven't been as God awful as people are, are making it sound out to be. Yes. Yeah. They're getting outshot most, most periods like 15 or 19 to five or six and the five or six shots is a little, you know, concerning, but the 15 to 20 are not when they're firing pucks from the boards. Yeah. Like, you know, so I don't think it's as big of a deal as people think. And even last last game, you know, like what midway through the period, I think shots were like five five six six. Like yeah. the Oilers. Well, to, that was a, a positive for a lot of people. I was like, oh, yeah. thank God, it's not like fifteen five. I know the shots aren't quality, but still, it's uh, you'd like to see the team get more consistent shots on net. Um, yeah. And they did that last game, so hopefully they continue it. Um, I know it's meaningless. I know this is a meaningless uh, trend that's happened in the series and it's bound to break, but the team that scored the first goal has won each and every game here. So um, it's, it's whether you like it or not, or whether you believe in it or not, that first goal is going to be important because it's going to get that team in the mindset that they, they can take this series if they get the first goal. So um, of course, yeah. And especially so, in a game seven setting. Yeah. Yeah. Although I will bring up that when uh, the others were eliminated in game seven against Anaheim back in 2017, they had a lead in that game. They yeah. had a one nothing lead in that game, but they lost that one. So, um, but what was? But the difference with that game with that team, especially Anaheim. Oh yeah, it was uh, a better team there. Uh, and it was a veteran team that yeah. would, you know, they knew how to pull out all the stops. They they did what they needed to do, right? They believe, and that's the thing with some of these guys on LA. They know how to win. You know, there's a handful of those guys that know how to win. <laughs> And if they get it to a point um, where they believe, they can drag those young guys with them. Yeah. Right. And McClellan, whether you like him as a coach or dislike him as a coach or indifferent to him as a coach, he's got these them playing the system they need to play for the most part. They got away with away from it for a couple of games and they got their asses handed to them. And that was probably the best thing in the world for them. Uh, because they were like, okay, if we play like this, they're going to kill us. Yeah. Um, and since then, you know what we, we can all say LA is this or that they're not as talented. Well, they've pretty much played the Oilers even 
since then, like since game, I guess it was game four on, right? Um, they've it's, won two of those games, but those nine periods in a bit have been pretty pretty even. So yeah, if not, sure. LA might have even maybe outplayed them a little bit, although the Oilers were really good last game. Um, so it's probably closer to even, I'd say. Yeah, and that's a big win, win for the Kings, man. Well, it's been a hell of a series as well. A lot of high ups and downs for both teams. You know, Game 7 is bound to be a fantastic series. Not unfamiliar territory for the Kings franchise. Of course, in 2012, they were the eighth seed, won the Cup. So uh, they're, they're, they've probably got guys like Dustin Brown, Anze Kopitar, and Jonathan Quick echoing those same sentiments that, that just because they're a lower seed doesn't mean they can't make some noise. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, there's obviously going to be nerves for Game 7, but I think we've seen guys like Drysidle, especially, and maybe even Nurse as well, kind of tense up in these uh, critical games as well. Um, I think game one was probably the most uh, obvious case of nerves from the team. This is a team that has lost to lower seeds in the past two seasons. You're hoping uh, the Oilers have their own guys with experience that can calm them down. Guys like Duncan Keith, uh, even Brett Kulak, who was down 3-1 with the Canadians in last year's profile and came back to beat the Maple Leafs and then went all the way to the Stanley Cup uh, finals you're hoping those guys are are steadying this team preparing them for game seven and just just go out and play your game don't worry about it just play play your game when without worrying about consequences i think if they get into their in too into their head they're bound to make mistakes here so they just gotta settle things down yeah i agree well on the other thing too the longer the game stays scoreless it's in the king's favor let's not yeah. get right because then they're like, okay, we're this much closer. Um, those old guys, as I said, they'll be like, okay, 20 more minutes, 10 more yeah. minutes, five more minutes. And then, yeah, the Oilers will start to feel it. Um, I think the Oilers will be confident coming out of the gate. Um, if they get a goal early, that'll be huge for them tomorrow and huge for the building. Um, the goaltending thing <laughs> does scare me a little bit for tomorrow. Like it really does. Uh, not again, Smith's been fine, but even through six games, who's the guy more likely to let in a softie? Yeah, it's, it's six, six games in, it's, it's Smith. I don't want to say it was it's Mike Smith for sure. Yeah. Now, and who's the one more likely to steal a game seven or make that five bell stop that you don't expect them to make? probably quick now i don't know mike smith could do that too i, I might have smith oh, for sure. <laughs> he's such an up and down goalie yeah and with with smith it's either you know it's the five bell stop or he's letting in stuff from center um there's no in between usually he's either really really good or poor um but in a game seven scenario there's nothing on mike smith's resume although people yeah. will point to his playoff success from whenever with one run with Arizona um, and that's fair, but quicks the guy who even at his advanced age and we've already saw it this series. Like there's been, there was a couple, like it was just spots where in game one, he made those three stops in that one sequence, those three stops in that one sequence essentially played a massive part in them winning that game. Yeah, so, for sure. So yeah, and, uh, if the Oilers can come out, and score early that'd be great um the thing that kind of scares me is how they're you and i get why woodcroft is playing guys the way he is now but um 
Yeah, shortening the bench for what is it going to be? Potentially what eight periods? Maybe yeah, not. something around that. But at least eight periods. You're playing with fire, man. Yeah, I, I the way Woodcroft, I a lot. I was skeptical of how Woodcroft was going to manage his bench in Game Six with some yeah. of his lineup decisions. I loved it though. He totally threw everyone for a loop. He had so many different line combinations. Usually that's a recipe for disaster, but I think it caught the Kings off guard and really um, played with the, the momentum of the game early on. I thought, I, I thought it was a creative way of using his bench and you know, it paid off. I can't really, I can't really critique him there. For sure. Because while well, he had to go with the nuclear weapon, as oh, we yeah. like to call it out here. Right. But I do push back a little bit with the narrative of, cause you're not alone. A few people have said that with regards to how many different lines early. Well, it, he played McDavid every other shift. <laughs> that's so true. I, I don't really think that's like, Oh, these are different line combinations. I think it's just like, <laughs> well, here's the best player on planet earth. I'm going to play him every 45 seconds for the first 10 minutes of the game. And let's see how many goals we can score. His <laughs> wingers are who they are. Right. So yeah. The benefit of it is I think it got a lot of the other guys going um, and it kept them engaged throughout the game. Um, but yeah, like it's, and again, we don't, how, I don't know, like dry saddles obviously going to play, but how hurt is he, you know? Yeah, so, sure. and then again, does McDavid have to score all the goals or not score technically, but, you know, be involved in all their goals if it is, they're asking a lot. As good as he is, like, and how many goals are they going to need? Do you honestly think the Oilers could win a game one nothing or 2-1? They could. Oh, man, I don't know. They've had games where they've shut out the Kings. They've had games yep. where the Kings kind of ran away with it. And uh, the Kings, think, the Kings don't really have an offense. Like, they really yeah. don't. So... Um, it's yeah, a tough it's, man. It's gonna and be a, it's it's gonna be an entertaining game. It's gonna be an interesting so. game. It's gonna be an interesting game just to see well, how both teams react. You know, what do you think about the refs come game seven? I don't think we have a long enough podcast for me to get into the refs here. Um, I also just realized I don't have the uh, upgraded version of Zoom, so we're actually on a five minute timer right now to end the podcast. Oh, okay. um, we're not like Shona. Shona has uh, usually hosts this and uh, has a longer uh, time limit, but I guess we okay. don't. Um, yeah, the refs, ah, not impressed. Um, but, you know, that's the playoffs. You're not going to get the calls. I think the Kings have been getting a bit too many calls compared to what they have been doing to the Oilers. I don't yeah. understand some. Like, that that play in the – I think it was either the second or third period. I can't remember exactly when it was where McDavid was absolutely leveled behind the yeah. play. They tried to call it an incidental contact, but you look at the replay and the, the, I can't remember what King it was, um, but um, the guy was obviously, yeah, he was he prepped and ready. Him. He dropped a shoulder. He was ready for the hit. He knew it was coming and didn't change his pass. So I thought that was a little bit of a bullshit call not to call that. And then I believe uh, Dreisaitl was slew footed in the first period that caused him to go off the ice. Um, yeah. No call. And the Oilers got, a, I believe, a roughing call, like a shift later or something. Like, or on the play, the Oilers got a roughing call, despite the slew foot. And then after the empty net goal, I haven't seen it, but I heard that a king slashed um, Dreisaitl in the knee. Um, it just seems like a, a lot of plays that should be called or should be getting looked at that aren't uh, going the Oilers' way. 
is that me being a bit of a homer? Maybe, but I I think the, the officiating has skewed towards the Kings more often than it has skewed towards the Oilers. No, I, I agree. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, it is I, what it is. Yeah, I, I get I I'm not one typically who gets into the, the referee thing as bad as they are. And I know people are like, oh, they just call it even. Oh, yeah, well, that's and I, I don't think anyone's against the Oilers in any way, shape or form. I just think it's however the game is going. They manage games like that's just how it is. Right. I or wrong. disagree. I don't like it, but it is what it is, and that's how they're doing it. So what what can we Anyone do? Anyone right? who watched that Leafs game yesterday or you saw the highlights where I can't remember who it was, it was tugging on Matthew's jersey for about, I don't know, 30 seconds. They didn't call it. You know, yeah. it's just it's how it is. It's there's no rhyme or reason to it, but it's nothing new. It's been going on forever. Yeah, for sure. Okay, we're in the last three minutes here. We're in the kind of the home stretch of the podcast. Sure. Uh, I don't want to do predictions for game seven. Don't want to do it. I, I, want, I want nothing to do with predictions for this next game. I don't want to have any record evidence of me saying one thing or another. So I'm not going to go there. Instead, um, this first round has been insane in the NHL this year. There are one, two, three, four, five game sevens, including the Oilers uh, game seven. Calgary just lost tonight on the night of this recording. Let's go through some predictions here. Who do you think are going to win? the other game sevens around the NHL, starting with Calgary and Dallas. Oh, I can't see Calgary losing. They might. They can't either, right? No, I would. I can't see them losing on home ice. They're too good. It would be nice, though. It would be nice to see them yeah. losing home ice. <laughs> it wouldn't. It wouldn't. I, like, I'd like the Oilers to play them in the in a playoffs. I really that would. Be, oh, oh, that would be cool. That would be insane. I would probably lose all my hair from pulling it out, but uh, <laughs> it'd be fun nonetheless. Uh, I, I also have Calgary winning that it would be quite the spectacle if they lose to Dallas. So, um, moving over to the East, um, the big one tomorrow is Toronto and Tampa Bay. Well, I picked Tampa in five, so I'm sticking with the lightning, but eventually one of these years, Toronto has to win. So they've, they've been the better team, I would say slightly in the series. Uh, the one thing that surprised me is Vasilevsky hasn't been very good, um, but that that can change tomorrow. So yeah, I'll take sure. the the Lightning, though. I have the Lightning, too. I don't trust Toronto in a game seven. Um, quick here. We only have less than a minute here. Quick fire shot. Uh, Carolina, Boston. Carolina. Yeah, I got Carolina as well. New York and Pittsburgh. Rangers. Yep, Rangers coming back to uh, have their yeah. chance, man. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it sucks what happened to Crosby, but oh, well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Copper and Blue podcast. Game seven goes Saturday night at 8 p.m. It's going to be a good one. And we'll talk to you guys no matter the outcome after that one. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care, everyone.